our situations. He is faithful. Faithful all my life. Blessings day and night. Countless reasons why. I'll praise you anywhere. Every promise can. Goodness every step. Psalm 100 verse 4 says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. We get to praise him anywhere, but let's praise him in this house today. Come on, one more time. Let's honor the name of Jesus. Father, we love you. Lord, we thank you. Oh, it's going to be a good day. Amen. You can grab a seat in God's presence this morning. And we just want to say a special welcome to all of our first-time guests. Maybe uh, this is your first Sunday, or maybe we haven't got uh, connected with you just yet. Or maybe you're watching online, you caught us. We just want to say welcome. Dothan, first, can we welcome our guests this morning? Thank you for being here. And there's a few things we want to encourage you to do. You can grab the Connect card from the seat back in front of you, or you can take your smart device out, text D1TEXT to 84576, scan the QR code on the screen, and there's a number of things we want you to do. Please fill that out with as much information you, you don't mind us having, and then at the end of service, you can drop it in one of our giving boxes if it's a Connect card. But what we ask that you do is that you come meet us in our guest reception. Some of our pastors and leadership team will be there. We want to exchange that Connect card with a gift and just welcome you to being at Dothan First and just thank you for being with us and worshiping with us this morning. But Dothan First, can we honor our guests one more time? It's going to be a great day. And maybe you saw on D1 Text a number of things that you can do like grow track and baptism. We want to encourage you always to take your next steps because we got great things going on. And speaking of that, we have life group signups in the lobby. I love walking by and seeing all of you sign up for, uh, for life groups because we really do want to grow in relationship with each other as we grow closer to the Lord. So please, if you haven't yet, walk by those tables today. Find a group that you want to be a part of that you feel like fits your current stage and season of life. Please fill out your name and your phone number and growing community with people with like-minded people because we want to see God's kingdom grow and we want to see you mature in your faith so please do that also we have awaken conference coming up ladies it's going to be an amazing night if you can't tell the ladies are excited and I want to encourage you and I want to challenge you again October 6th and 7th will be a life-changing weekend please scan that QR code and you may say Pastor Will I'm already I'm already registered which is great what I'm asking that you do is if you scan that QR code send it to somebody and I'm gonna ask you to take another step of generosity pay for someone to come to this conference it's gonna be a life-changing weekend we have a number of speakers that are gonna come and invest into our ladies it's gonna be an amazing event please don't miss it October 6th and 7th it's gonna be great and last but not least we again 
we have some great things going on in our church. We're always growing. And one of the things that we wanted to make available to you, which we're going to watch in a video in just a moment, is we have a prayer wall. And this video is going to tell you more about it. So please check out this video. Church family, this morning I'm so excited to be able to release to you something that's been on our hearts for a while now. You know, prayer is such a powerful thing in our lives, and one of the things that God commands us to do is to pray for one another. The Bible tells us to carry each other's burdens, and one of the ways that we can do that is by praying for one another. This past Wednesday night, my Sisterhood Bible Study was able to come into the sanctuary and open our new prayer walls. The prayer walls are the designated spaces where we can take a tag and write our specific prayer needs and then tack it on the board for others to come by and pray. Each week, we're going to have our staff, we're going to have our prayer team and people in the body of Christ take the tag with your need on it and pray and believe that God will move and answer this prayer. We will also be having prayer nights, and you can come before church on Wednesday nights and before church on Sundays and be a part of praying over these needs. In Matthew 18, it says, if two of you are asking the Father for something and agreeing in his will, the Father will answer. If two or more are gathered in my name, I am in the midst, the Lord says. So we are excited about this prayer wall. And let me just tell you the most exciting part is when God answers the prayer, you will put a red heart on the prayer tag and just indicating to everyone, hey, look at what the Lord has done. And we are believing for a wall full of red hearts. So Dothan First Church family, grab your tag, write out your prayer need, and let us partner with you in your prayer journey to see God move in your family, in the city, and in our church, and in the nation. And we are so excited to see what God is going to do in all of our lives. Amen. Amen. It's going to be amazing, and I just want to, I want to challenge you again in, in, in that, that uh, I want to see red hearts all over that wall. And what's amazing, that red heart that was put on there in the video, that was legit and answered prayer, a prayer that has already been answered. So I'm just believing for God to just fill that board with red hearts. And uh, I believe it's going to be so big, we're going to have to take up the whole back wall. So please, uh, as we get ready to continue our worship and prayer and giving, uh, how many are thankful that God has blessed you? You're thankful this morning. You see the five ways to give on the screen, and I just want to encourage you to participate in that. And I thank you for being so generous as we push the mission forward here at this house in loving God and loving people. And, uh, it's going to be a great day, but I'm going to ask our elders if they'll get ready to go and our prayer team to go to their various stations of prayer. These are your elders, your prayer team. And uh, they're going to be at the exit sign on uh, your right and on your left under the uh, balcony and then one in the balcony as well. But I encourage you as we get ready to go into worship and pray over this time of giving. I want to challenge you to get out of your seat. If you, I know, I know a lot of you, you come in and you have legitimate needs. We want to partner with you in faith, as Pastor Michelle said in that video, believing that God will supernaturally touch your life. And maybe you need to stand in the gap for somebody else, but I'm just asking you in faith to move out of your seat. Go see these elders and these prayer partners to believe that God's going to do something special today in this house. In fact, I'm going to ask you if you'll go ahead and stand on your feet 
as I pray over this offering and we continue our worship. Let's just put our hands out as a sign of surrender, whether it's our giving or our needs or whatever it is, just opening our hearts in our minds to, to allow the Lord to move in this place. Father, we thank you for every person in this house, every need represented, Father, in our giving of our, our monies, but also in the giving of our time, our health, our relationships. Father, we're asking you to supernaturally move in this place today. And as we worship you, your word says you inhabit the praises of your people. Father, let, let our voices be something you rest in today. Let your presence, your tangible presence be felt in this house. And we'll give you all the honor, the glory, and the praise for it. And everybody said real loud, amen. Come on, let's worship together.
to him and I felt like there were going to be people in this room today that were worshiping on their battlefield. Um, I just felt the Lord drop that in my spirit that some of you are in the middle of something and even you being here right now, you're, you're crying out to him that you can't do this on your own. The situation is too, too big. You can't physically handle it. Maybe your health is affected because of it. Your family may feel like it's crumbling because of these situations. But, you know, worship is our weapon against the enemy. It's the place where peace can flood our spirit and our minds. It's the place where his power falls on us. It gives us the strength and the courage to face these things. So as we go into this next song, I want you to imagine if you're one of those people here today who's like, yes, that's me. I am, I, I'm in the middle of something. I'm on the battlefield. Don't take it lightly. Don't be maybe so defensive, but be on the offense today. 
take your sword out, girl, and get to work, you know? So we lift you up, God. We trust you. Whatever our situation, whatever we're facing today, Lord, we put it in your hands. We believe in you, Jesus.
this morning for your faithfulness Lord we thank you God that you are a firm foundation Lord you are the unshakable rock God and we build our lives on you and we give you all the glory and the praise this morning in the precious wonderful mighty matchless name of Jesus amen you may be seated As we try to find a rhythm amongst the noise of this world, tuning the strings of our soul to feel we have a place in this orchestra of life, we find sometimes that we get lost amongst the oceans of sound. We dance and move our way through it all to find meaning, just trying to fit into this place and the people around us. Doing this on our own, we find we lose the rhythm. It's only through the grace of God that we truly find our place in this world. When we walk alongside Christ, He fills us with purpose. Only then we truly find our rhythm as we join in His orchestra. We learn to move in sync with God and His plan for us all. Letting God use us, the noise of this world becomes faint and the rhythm of God becomes clear. 
Amen. How many are ready for the Word of God today? Amen. Well, listen, I want to take a moment to welcome all those who are joining with us for the first time online. Can you give it up for them today? God bless you. Welcome. We're so glad you're here today. And listen, there's nothing like being in the house of God. So if you're in the Dothan area, I would encourage you, be a part of the family of God right here at Dothan First. Come out and connect with us. These are the greatest people in all the world. Can you just affirm that today? You are the greatest people, right? And uh, hey, listen, I know that there are some in the room that are first-time guests, and we want to say a special welcome. I know we gave a, a welcome at the beginning, Pastor Will did, but I just want to say thank you for joining with us today and after this service it would be my honor to meet with you to connect with you to shake your hand at our guest reception so please make yourself available right after the service I promise I won't take up a bunch of your time I just want to connect with you and greet you personally and give you a gift for hanging out with us today well go ahead and grab your copy of God's word if you would and if you don't have a Bible let us know we'll gladly get a Bible into your hands free of charge uh, but I also want to let you know that the notes, as always, are online on the YouVersion app of the Bible, and you can follow along with us today. But grab your copy of God's Word. Say this with me. Say, I am what God's Word says I am. I can do what God's Word said I can do. And I can become all that God said I could be. So today, I'll hear God's Word. I'll receive God's Word. And I'll obey God's word because I love his word. Now, I want you to turn to your neighbor and just give them a compliment. Tell them how good they look today. Tell them you like their outfit, whatever it is that you got. Just make sure to let them know. Let them know today. You can turn to 1 Peter chapter 2 and we'll get there in a little while. Okay, I'm just going to let you know in advance. I, I, I need to give you a bit of foundation before we even get to the passage of scripture today but uh how many of you remember growing up watching the superheroes movies how many of you enjoyed those as a kid well i grew up and they had something back in the day called underoos y'all remember underoos anybody remember old school enough remember underoos they it was it was kind of like it was underwear, but it really wasn't. It was more like what you might wear to bed, like pajamas. But it was your ability as a child, or me as a child, to dress up as my favorite superheroes right before I'd go to bed, right? Hoping, dreaming, maybe even praying that I would wake up and become that superhero during the night. So it was Spider-Man or Batman right? It was, it was one of the superheroes. It was Superman. It was, it was the great superheroes that I wanted to become. But all of those superheroes had one thing in common. They may not have all done the same things or had the same superpowers, but they did all have one thing in common. And that was they had an alter ego, right? They had a, a, a unique, different identity. So there was the Clark Kent would be the, the news reporter with the glasses, and nobody apparently recognized this joker all day, every day, until he took off his glasses, and all of a sudden, wow, you're Superman, <laughs> you know? It was kind of a little bit crazy, right? It was, it was a little bit over the top. But I think it's interesting that they at least privately knew who they really were. And the problem is that I'm seeing in our culture today, people privately and publicly do not know who they are. 
They're confused in their identity. There's an identity crisis. And I, I want to set the record straight. I want, I want the foundation to be laid before I ever get to this scripture reference to talk about what God says about identity. I just want to make it abundantly clear what your identity is not based on. So first of all, your identity is not based on your background or your family history or your last name. It's not based on your education. It's not based on your experiences or accomplishments. It's not based on your social status or how much money you've made. Friends, it's not even, your identity is not even in your ethnicity. It's not on the color of your skin. It's not based on your eye color. It's not based on anything of your physical characteristics. Your identity today is not based on those things. Let me, let me prove to you a, a little bit of why. It, you could disown your family and move as far away from your crazy kinfolk as you want. <laughs> and it's still there's people that have identity issues. Right? You could change your, your name. You could go so far as going by an alias or a different name and still have identity issues. You could go to the greatest schools and achieve the highest degrees and still struggle. You could have a different title. You could be called doctor or even reverend and still struggle with your identity. You could, look, look girl, you could marry rich. Come on, somebody. And you could change your social circle and still struggle privately with your identity. You could win the lottery or you could work yourself to death, change your financial status and still struggle with your identity. There are some of the most, the, the richest people and they still struggle privately with their own identity and who they really are. Look, you could get lifts in your shoes to make you taller or you could have surgeries to make, to change your weight. Come on. You could work out all day, every day and still struggle with your identity. You could put contacts in your eyes to change your eye color. You could go to the salon and get your nails done and your hair done and your makeup done. So no, look, you could have so many surgeries, nobody recognizes who you are and still have issues with your identity. There was a show years and years ago called The Swan. I don't know how many remember that. That was an old school show. But what they did in that was they took people really that were struggling with their weight and their self-esteem and they would bring them in and they would do hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of surgical procedures on these people and then bring them out after having been gone like six months and recovering from all these surgeries and their own husbands and their own children didn't even recognize them. And they came out with a, a nice dress and all of the, uh, the bling and they had everything going and yet it, 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 they followed these people many, many years later and so many of them crashed and burned in their self-esteem throughout that process. They did everything they could to change the outside appearance and still there was a heart issue involved. Mark, you say, well, how do you know if you change all of those things that it still won't work? Well, let me tell you something, because movie stars have been doing it, uh, and TV superstars have been doing it for centuries, and they still, their families are falling apart, their marriages are torn apart, their lives are in disarray. Friends, there's got to be more to life and more to your identity than you nitpicking in the mirror what you don't like about yourself. 
There's got to be more to life than the, the little things that you want to change that you don't seem to be able to change. There's got to be more to your identity. Identity has nothing to do with all those things, those accomplishments and the money and, and the ethnicity and the social status. Identity has nothing to do with facial recognition on your iPhone. Your identity has everything to do with the God that you serve, the creator of the universe who made you and handcrafted you. If you know who you are in Christ, your identity is clear. And that's why the identity crisis is taking place in our world today because the further we distance ourselves from our maker and our creator and our father, the more challenged we become and struggles that we have with our identity. I used to read a book to our kids when they were little. Max Lucado wrote a great book called You Are Special. And in that book, if, how many of you read that book, by the way, or know that as a, okay, some of you. It's a, it's a great book. And, and the book is, it, it's kind of symbolic because it uses these little wood-carved people called the little Wemmicks. They were, they were the little wood-carved people. And a kind of a little bit of a spin off of Pinocchio, but not quite. And, and the idea of these little Wemmicks, these little wooden uh, creatures, is that they would go around and they would put little dots, little sticker dots, on all of the little bad people when they did something wrong or they did something bad or they did something foolish or they tripped and fell. If they did something wrong, people would come up and the wooden people would stick little, little stickers that were dots on them, acknowledging and calling out their failures. But when they did good, when they had great accomplishments, when they, they, they were able to do wonderful things, they would stick these little stars on them to say that they were great. And so people would walk around all day sticking dots or sticking stars on these little wooden people. And it was amazing. They came up and found this one that didn't have any dots or any stickers and, and, and any stars. And so, so they asked this little girl, like, what's the difference between you and all of us? She said, well, I just go see Eli, the, the little maker. And of course, the maker of the wooden people, of course, was representing and symbolic of God himself. And they would, she would spend time with the maker and those little dots that people tried to put on her, those little stars they tried to put on her. For some reason, when she was with the maker, they just fell off. They wouldn't stick. The labels that others gave would not stick. And so it is with us today. People are trying to steal your identity. And, and that, by the way, is a global problem. Yes, people are trying to steal identity. As a matter of fact, there's a new scam out there where uh, there's people that actually have created fake accounts where they can steal your hard-earned tax dollars as identity thieves stealing tax refunds. And here's what, it, one point, last year, 1.5 million fake tax returns were filed in America and the government paid out over $5 billion in refunds to fake accounts. Think about that over the past five years, $25 billion of your hard-earned money went to identity thieves. But you know what, friends, there is a much more sinister and evil thief 
of your identity, and he is Satan himself. He comes to kill, steal, and to destroy, and he steals far more than your money. He steals your identity, or he tries to. He wants to steal what God created you to be, and he wants to conceal your true identity, and he wants to confuse your identity. He doesn't want you to know who you are. He doesn't want you to know who God made you to be or who God wants you to become. He doesn't want you to know the power of being a child of the Most High God. And the reason often that we're so exhausted and so weary and overwhelmed is we've been fighting an unseen spiritual battle that's been going on over our identity every single day. And friends, as your pastor and friend today, I want you to understand that, listen, Satan is not as powerful as God. Okay, listen, understand, Satan cannot create. He can only distort and pervert. He came to distort and to destroy all the beautiful things that God's created in you. He's trying to convert you to his way of thinking. He's been doing this for, for years, friends. He's, trying to pervert, he's tried to pervert sex, he's tried to pervert money and power, and now he's trying to take and distort our identity. And friends, he uses a number of tools to try to confuse you about your true identity. Here's some of the tactics and attacks, satanic attacks that are used to try to confuse your identity. He tries to use the tactic of hurt, pain, and trauma to confuse your identity. Do you know when you walk through trauma, when you walk through pain, it makes, there, there are moments where you start to question yourself. You start to doubt who God made you to be. All of a sudden, those hurts begin to distort the identity that God made it. And sometimes when someone hurts you, you become angry or embittered. Or if you do something to other people that is uncharacteristic of who God's called you to be, all of a sudden you start to feel that shame. And that shame becomes a part of your identity. That's a, that's a satanic attack. It's a tool used by the devil. Satan also uses other people's opinions to try to confuse you. Can I just tell you, no one else but God can identify and define who you really are. Nobody. Not your friends, not your coworkers, not even your spouse. Friends, no one else can define because they didn't create you. <laughs> Only God created you. Other people have lied about you, about who you really are lied to you and about you, <laughs> right? Your peers or your parents or your partners or your friends or your, and listen, friends, that is just not true of who you really are. And Satan can use those words to try to distract you from your purpose. Satan uses media to try to confuse our identity messages all the time, whether it's social media or movies or TV or music, to distort the image of God that he created inside of you, telling you you're not enough, and then trying to capitalize through jealousy or your own insecurity. They will capitalize on those issues. Instead of being who God made you to be, you become then society's puppet on marionette strings, just it's almost like they're holding you captive, moving you around. Satan can even disrupt your own thoughts about who you are and, and, and misrepresent who God made you to be by confusing your identities through your identity through those insecure thoughts that you, you privately battle with. 
Things that you even say about your own self, you're no good. Maybe this is something you repeated. As a child, you heard certain things on the playground or by your parents or whomever. And now you've been rehearsing that pattern of thinking for a while, saying you're no good or you're worthless or you'll never amount to anything or you're going to become a failure. The lies that we tell ourselves or speak over ourselves or those things that, that have been said about us or to us. And you think in your mind, well, if I feel this way, then it must be true. How many know feelings are not a good indicator of truth? Feelings change. They go up and they go down, but truth stands the test of time. And when Satan gets you to believe those things to distort your identity, friends, I want you to know the goal today from me and from the Lord himself is that you know who you are in Christ that, you, that we focus today on understanding our real identity in him. Knowing what God says about you, what's true about you. Knowing who you really are and who God made you to be. What God says and what God thinks about you. And I believe your, your happiness, your fulfillment will be in direct correlation with your closeness to God and your identity in him and truly knowing who God made you to be. Well, how do I know who I really am? That's, I think, an important question to start with. How do I know who I really am? I love uh, how Blaise Pascal said, the French uh, physicist and philosopher, he wrote this in the 17th century. He said, we only know ourselves through Christ Jesus. Apart from Jesus, we cannot know the meaning of life. So let me give you three aspects of your identity, these foundations that we can build our life upon that starts right here in this verse in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, these descriptions of our true identity. Let's take a look at it. Here it is. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. You are chosen. Everybody say chosen. <laughs> you are chosen people. It says a royal priesthood, a holy nation, people who what? Belong to God. So you were chosen, it says, to tell about the excellent qualities of God who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now, I want you to look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 10. It says, at one time, you were not God's people. In other words, you didn't have a true identity. Your, your identity was based on your circumstances or your achievements or on other people's words about you. But it says here, but now you are his people. Everybody say his people. <laughs> At one time you didn't have God's mercy, but now you've received God's mercy. Friends, there's so much important significance that's packed into those phrases as God's true view of you. Listen, first of all, you need to know because of Jesus Christ, you are accepted. Turn to your neighbor and just tell him you're accepted. Because of Jesus, you're accepted. And by the way, that's really important because most often the deepest wounds of our life has come as a point of rejection. Friends, we've all dealt with rejection at one point or another in our life and it hurts so deeply and we spend so much of our time then after being rejected to try to earn acceptance from others. We try to earn it from our parents. We try to earn it from our peers or our friends. We try to earn uh, the acceptance by those we respect. And friends, we even, we try to earn acceptance by people we don't like and people we envy. And it drives so much of what we do. It drives the career choice. 
and the career path we have. It drives the clothing we wear. It drives the, the, the cars we like to drive or the houses we buy. All trying to earn acceptance. Again, I'm going to go back to childhood. And I'm using these examples because some of you did not grow up in an environment where you were trained in these things at a young age. But I tried so hard as a parent to instill these things in my children because my parents chose to instill these things in me. And they pointed me right back to the Bible as my source. But uh, I'll take an unbiblical storyline from Dr. Seuss uh, way back in the day. It was these little, the book was called The Sneetches on the Beaches. And it was the same idea of the, the Max Lucado book. But this was just a little bit different because this one... He would create a way to basically tattoo a star on the chest of those uh, that were on the beach, these, these little creatures that were on the beach. And they would begin to be so proud of themselves because they got the star tattoo on them. The, this little machine created that in them. And, and so they'd be proud. And so more and more people would pay to get that little star tattooed on them. And they'd all walk around so proud. But then there came a point where everybody had the, the star tattooed on them that they wanted to get the tattoo removed. And the guy that was creating the machine to take the star off got money from these to get the star taken off. So all of a sudden now the people without the stars looked real important and special. And he was making money. He literally, they, it shows in the book, I remember this so vividly as a kid, they had two machines. The guy owned both machines and he was taking money from the per person to get the star on and then they'd walk five feet and get a, the star removed and he'd take money from them again. Friends, that's exactly what society is trying to do to you today. They're trying to showcase all the outside, but God says he doesn't look at the outward appearance. He looks at the heart. He's trying to see what's going on inside of you. And often as a, a kid being rejected by not being chosen on the team, you're just praying you're not the last person chosen for the team. Or they fight over you not to be the first picked, but they're fighting over you about who is stuck with you on the team. And it might not be sports. You may be good at sports, but maybe it, it, it came into other places in your life. Where, where you fell just a little short, whether it was academically or athletically or, or whatever it might have been. You tried out for a part in the play and you didn't get it and everybody else's name, all your friends' names were on the list and, and yours was mysteriously absent and, and you didn't feel chosen. And I realize that value can often come from feeling chosen, right? We, when, when we're chosen to get the, the accolade or the promotion or all the materials, things that, that, that are offered out there, we, we tend to feel a little more valued. And I can just tell you, 29 years ago today, my wife chose me out of all those other jokers out there that were not worthy of being chosen. And I say I love you to my wife today, looking right in the camera, because she is at a church plant right now that it's being birthed right now. And our, my brother-in-law and sister, Pat and Kim, Abby, and we send our love and our greetings to you today. But Michelle is there with them today, and um, we will celebrate when you get home. I promise you that, girlfriend. I promise you. 29 years worth of celebration. And... Uh, but, but let me tell you something about the feeling that I had when I was chosen out of all the other dudes. <laughs> right? I won! 
I win. I, <laughs> I won. <laughs> Nobody else won but me. Or, or maybe she won if I'm, you know, she's not here to say it. But I'm just saying, I, I felt valued. I felt chosen. And let me just tell you this, friends. God chose you. He chose you. He handpicked you. He chose you. 1 Peter 2, 9 says it like this. You have been chosen by God himself. God chose you and he loves you. And when other, if look, if others reject you, that's their problem. Because the God of the universe chose you. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4 says it like this. Long ago, even before he made the world, look at this. Even before he made the world, God chose us to be his very own through what Christ would do for us. He decided then to make us holy. Look at this. Not holy in our own abilities, but holy in his eyes without a single fault. We who stand before him, look at this, covered with his love. It's as though all those insecurities, all those feelings of jealousy, all those frailties and failures and problems and issues and ways that none of us measure up, it's as though God covers us with this warm blanket and says, every insecurity will be covered by my love. Every painful moment will be covered by my love. Every frail moment, every time you sinned, every time you made a mistake, every time you walked away from me, I'm covering you in my blanket of love so I don't see those things. I see you, the love of Jesus Christ covering you. Before God made the universe, he chose you. Before he made the sun and the moon and the stars and all the things that God has created, he chose us as his prized possession, as his masterpiece, as his valuable treasure. That shows us how valuable we really are, that God chose us. Another proof of your value is to know that Jesus made you acceptable. By his death on the cross. It's not our, it's not our ability or our self-worth that gets us there. It's because of who he is and what he did. Titus chapter 3 verse 7 says it like this. Jesus treated us much better than we deserve. Let's just stop right there and just give God praise for the fact that he treated me and he treated you way better than we ever deserved. Goes on to say this. It says he made us acceptable, acceptable to God. And he gave us the hope of eternal life. He died, Jesus died to make us acceptable. God accepts us not based on our performance but ba or based on what we do. It's on what Jesus did. It's not about who you are. It's about who Jesus is. And that's why when we have our identity in him, look, if I have my identity in myself, sometimes I wake up on the wrong side of the bed. Sometimes I say something stupid. Sometimes I do something stupid, but I am not marked by those things. My identity is in Christ. And so when I wake up in the morning and I say, Lord, thank you for this day that you've given me. Now I'm covered in your love and I'm reminded that I'm forgiven and that I'm free. God accepts you. He loves you. He says you're acceptable because of the price that was paid on Calvary's cross by my son, Jesus Christ.
One of the most important things you can understand about your identity is that God makes you acceptable through Jesus. The second thing you need to know about your identity is this, is that because of Jesus Christ, you are valued. Can you just turn to your neighbor and just tell him, you're valued because of Jesus Christ. The Bible tells me that my life is priceless. That I'm not just acceptable, but I'm valuable. I'm priceless. Here's this second description of our true identity in, in uh, the, the gospel or the, the book of 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. It says, you are a holy nation, a people who belong to God. Now, what kind of things makes us valuable? I want you to think about this for just a minute. What determines value? Well, we could look at uh, value being who owns or owned something. I'll give you an example. Uh, a pair of Air Jordan shoes might cost 100 bucks, might cost 150 bucks, might cost 50 bucks on sale, whatever. Uh, but just this year in April, there was a pair of Air Jordans that were sold for $2.2 million. Why? Because they were worn by Air Jordan in the 1998 NBA Finals, his last NBA championship game. He won and they took those shoes, auctioned them off, and $2.2 million later, those shoes are worth way more than any shoes I could put on today. Think about this. It wasn't that the shoes were made of some sort of superior quality, right? There was no, there was no special thing other than they were worn by the guy who owns it. Right? They, must, they might be an ordinary pair of tennis shoes to anybody else, but those who know, he wore them and won with them. <laughs> a guitar that one of us has or one on stage might have some value, 500 bucks, 300 bucks, 100 bucks, whatever. But you take that same guitar and put it in the hands of a musician, Right? This past year, in same month in April, Eddie Van Halen's custom Kramer guitar was sold for $4 million. How many know the owner adds value to ordinary things? <clears throat> so the question then is, who do you belong to? <laughs> Deuteronomy chapter 7 verse 6 says it like this, you are a people holy to the Lord your God, his treasured possessions. Did you know that you are God's treasured possession? Isaiah 43, 4, God says, you are precious to me. You are extremely valuable. God is my maker. I'm owned by him. Also, you can increase your value just by who you're associated with, right? Whose family you happen to be in this last year in the NFL draft one of the rookie players got a huge signing bonus. And when they did, they decided to be generous and buy mama a house. Mom's in the room. You're saying, hey, I may hurry up my son or my, my child to be an athlete because one day I need a house. You know, it wasn't that the mom ever stepped foot on the field. It wasn't that the mom caught any pat diving catches. It wasn't that the mom stood there and took the abuse. <laughs> but the mom got the house because they were related to the child. How many understand it works in reverse, 
A lot of parents have worked really hard to give you students things that you did not earn. And a lot of parents said, amen. How many parents in the room, you'd say, I tried so hard to do better than my own parents to give my kids what I never had. And then those same kids, they look at you like they earned it and that you owed it to them. You were given it because you have a wonderful mama and a wonderful daddy. And because of Jesus Christ and because of Father God, because you are a king's kid, because you are the king's son and the king's daughter, you get everything. The Bible says that God bankrupted heaven to send Jesus to this earth just to give you freedom and forgiveness from your sins. That's your identity. What's somebody willing to pay for you? <laughs> that shows their true value. I mean, think about it. Ask me how much your house is worth. You can say what you think it's worth. You can look on Zillow and figure out what you think it's worth. But can I just tell you, your house is worth what somebody's willing to pay for it. Your car, as much as you like it and think it's the greatest thing since sliced bread, I can just tell you it's only worth what somebody says it's worth by what they're willing to pay for it. And God said, I value you so much. Jesus stood there and took all the abuse. He stretched his arms out wide and said, I love you this much. You are this valuable to me. He gave his life for you. And today he reaches with arms, arms outstretched. And he says, son or daughter, that you're struggling with your identity and your purpose and you're wondering who you are and whose you are. Friends, you are a child of the most high God and he paid every drop of his blood he paid for you, for your sins, for your life. As our worship team comes, as we prepare to close, I can't think of a more significant cost. I can't think of a more significant price that was paid. And when I think about that cost, I have to, I can't help but overlook, or, or try, I try to overlook all the things that I did that put Jesus on the cross. All of my sins and my failures and my frailties. I'd love to overlook them. Matter of fact, I'd love to presume that God sent Jesus to die for your sins what you did wrong, because then the blame is on everybody else but, but me. But I can tell you, friends, Jesus Christ came to this earth, lived a sinless life, and died on a cruel cross because of my sin. And when we take ownership, when we really recognize the price that was paid because of what we've done, I think sometimes as a, an American, we often, especially the further we are away from a war, especially on our own soil, we tend to forget the dear price that was paid by military men and women who fought battles in foreign lands to keep us safe and free. And... and I have such a, a great respect and honor for those military men and women who sacrifice limbs and even sacrifice their lives for the cause of my freedom. But we tend to take for granted those things we don't pay for. Today, let us never, ever take for granted the precious blood of Jesus Christ 
that paid for our sin. And the best way I know how to recognize those sinful ways is like David did as he said, like shine a, a searchlight on me. He says, search my heart and know me. Like not what everybody else sees, not the dressed up me, not the, the you know, the, for, for you ladies, the painted nails and the nice hairdo. <laughs> Don't see that me. But what do you see, Lord, when you see those broken areas? Those ways I failed you. See, Jesus' love is not conditional. We live in a society where there's lots of conditional love, right? I'll love you if. Matter of fact, I've had to work with couples before because it's kind of a little more in vogue now to do write your own vows. And I've had to work with couples over the past 10 years specifically when it, Pinterest came around and more people started writing their own vows. I had to work with couples on their vows because initially they were writing a whole bunch of ifs and because. I love you if you do this, 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 and this, and you make me feel good about myself. And I'm like, that is not a covenant or a vow. <laughs> Richer or poorer, sickness and in health, like that is a vow. <laughs> and, and, and so many of us, we've lived our whole life with conditional love. I'll love you if you do this, and I'll love you if you do that, and if you do what I want you to do, and if I can manipulate you, and if I can control you, and if I can do this. If you do this for me, then I'll love you back, and it is so conditional, and it's not love at all. And then there's the I love you because. I, I, I love you because you look good. Let me tell you something. Uh, those things fade. Come on. Faces fade, figures sag. Come on, somebody. It, it, it's, it is all conditional love. I love you because you're rich. What if they're broke next week? Come on, somebody. I love you because you're talented. What if they have an injury and, and they can no longer have these wonderful accolades of life just simply because of an injury? Do you still love them then? And the fact is we've all been met with conditional love for so long that that's how we equate true love. But that is the opposite of God's love. God says, I love you when you hurt me. I love you when you didn't love me. I love you when you were unfaithful to me. I love you when you were sinning. I loved you so much that I died for you. While you were yet a sinner, I died for you. That's unconditional love. And God says today with his outstretched arms, he says, child, I love you with an unconditional love. And if you will come to me, he says, I'll give you the kind of identity that this world cannot shake. Today, let's have our identity in Christ Jesus. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord, today, we've been so trained by this world to see conditional love that often we, we don't even realize the significant price of unconditional love. But now today I pray we would look at the price that was paid on Calvary's cross and not take for granted what you did for us. But today we put our identity in you. Not in what others say, 
not in what we've done or haven't done. We put our identity and focus on you. If you just keep your heads bowed and eyes closed, there may be some in this room. You struggle with your identity because you've never made Jesus Christ truly Lord of every area of your life. And friends, I, I can tell you that it's easy for us to believe that we need to clean ourselves up before we come to Jesus. But it doesn't work that way. None of us can ever be good enough to earn salvation or forgiveness or eternity in heaven. That was only able to be paid for by Jesus Christ. We were imperfect, he was perfect. And he exchanges our imperfections with his perfection. So today, if you'd say, Mark, I, I want to be clothed with that love of God. I want to truly know who I am as a child of God. Maybe there's sin that's been separating you from God, making you feel worthless and unworthy. Friends, we are all unworthy at the foot of the cross, but he makes us worthy when we turn to him. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God's raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. So those in this room and those watching online, you need to know God is waiting on you to make a decision, a willful choice to choose to trust him. And if that's you and you'd say, Mark, I want to be included in this prayer. Listen, I'm not here to embarrass you. I'm not here to judge you. I'm simply here to invite you into relationship or back into a committed relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ that he might speak over you who you really are, your identity. And if that's you and you want to be included in this prayer, I'm going to have you just slip up your hand and acknowledging by the raised hand, Mark, that's me. Include me in the prayer. Come on, right now, all over this place, just raise up your hand. That's you today. Yes, God bless you. God bless you. Yes, God bless you. In the balcony, God bless you. God bless you. Anybody else? That's you today. Yeah, God bless you. Anybody else? That's you today. Listen, this is simply a place of surrender to the Lord and His Lordship. Anybody else today? God bless you, yes. God bless you. You can put your hands down, but I want to lead you in this prayer of, of faith. And I want us all to pray it out loud, but especially you who lifted your hands. I want you to really say this like you mean it. As a matter of fact, before I pray, I feel God really stirring me that I need to, <clears throat> I need to invite those of you who need a restored identity. You've been battling with your own identity and, and your self-worth has really been, it's been taking a beating. Your identity, your self-worth, those issues that you've been battling with and you feel like those things you've done or those things that you haven't done have defined now who you are. And you say, Mark, I really need to shift my identity as a follower of Christ and as a child of the King. If that's you, slip up your hand all over this place. Christians that are believers in Christ, but you just say, I've just been battling. Come on, yeah, God bless you, yep, yep. Tons of hands going up, God bless you, yep. God bless you, God bless you, yeah. God bless you. 
First of all, I want to pray over that specific area of identity. Lord Jesus, you see the hands that were lifted in this room and those that were watching online that have acknowledged the need for that restored identity. In the name of Jesus, I declare over them acceptance in place of rejection. I, I, Lord, I pray specifically con that that conditional love would be broken off of them and they would recognize the unconditional love of the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray right now that they would recognize it is not who they are, but whose they are in Jesus' name. Lord, I speak over them the identity that is unmovable, unshakable, that when the media or the enemy tries to come in and distract and to, to distort their identity, they would know who they are in Jesus. God, I pray against the battlefield that has been in their mind, speaking words of self-doubt and and Lord even those things where they've been saying I'm, I'm not enough and I'll never be good enough and I'm a failure but in the name of Jesus when we put ourselves under your lordship we are the head and not the tail we are above and not beneath and so in the name of Jesus we declare who we are in Christ that we are your sons and your daughters in the name of Jesus and those past failures will not define us from this day forward now I'm asking all of you, if you pray this prayer with me, can you say this out loud with me? Say, Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sins. I repent for all I've done wrong. I believe that you died and rose again for me. I make you Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for changing me. I choose to trust you with every area of my life. Now fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Can you stand up with me and begin to give God praise for what he's done? Come on, let's just thank him for what he's done today. Come on, accept your identity in him. Let's worship the King together. I've seen you move. identity because the enemy comes to kill, steal, and to destroy and that battlefield that's unseen seems to be so prevalent in our world today but I pray they'd come right back to this moment and recognize who Jesus Christ is in us and what he did for us 
God, I thank you. I thank you for the identity in you. Thank you for it in Jesus' name. Today, as we've been focusing in on identity, I, I believe there may be some of you that know of friends or family or loved ones who've been battling. And I'm going to encourage you to invite them back out this next week. Lord willing, we're going to continue to talk about purpose matters and the significance of our identity, our purpose, and who God made us to become. And I'm going to dismiss some of our leadership. If you would head out toward the front and toward our, uh, we have a special uh, area greeting that we want to give to our first time guests. And uh, that guest reception, they're going to go ahead and make sure that that's ready for you today. But before you're dismissed, I would love it if I could just speak a blessing over you. A blessing over you and your family, over your finances, over your future. That God would do exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ever ask or think. And that those blessings that God chooses to give, that you would never take ownership of them as though they are what make you who you are. Because often we look at what we've done, what we've accomplished, or what we've made, and we make that our identity. But friends, those things could be lost in a moment. But God says, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And so the, the God that's in you is what gives you purpose and identity. And I want to speak that blessing over you now in the name of Jesus. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance on you and bring you peace. And may the Lord our God write his name on your hearts and declare you're my child. No one can take you from my hand. May you know the love of your Savior that came and died for you and rescued you. And may you give that love away to as many people as humanly possible. I bless you to be a blessing to your family and your friends and your peers, your co-workers, students that are, that are connected to you. I bless you to be the mouthpiece of God and the hands of Jesus Christ extended to a lost and hurting world. And I bless you to know who you are in Jesus Christ and to walk in that identity and be strong and courageous that when the enemy tries to come in, that the Spirit of the Lord raises up a standard against him and that you use the tools that are in your hand, the Word of God, as your source. I bless you to be a blessing in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. Did you get anything out of today? I pray you did. Hey, God bless you. We love you. Have a Jesus-filled week. We'll see you either this next Sunday or this coming Wednesday. God bless you. You're dismissed. <laughs>